the theme song for the Gipper particularly gruff and aggressive today, Troy. Thank you, Uncle Leon. How you going, mate? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Having pretty an all right kind of day. Yeah. No, what no, about you, mate? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm just living my life. Just living day, day, by, by, day. <laughs> day by day. Um, I did a couple of gigs on the weekend, a couple of, um, you know, three setters, saying the whole thing. Haven't done that for a little while. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's why I'm a little bit gruff, but, uh, you know, getting through. Um, back on the horse, mate. Back on the wagon. Off the wagon. Off the on the wagon. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. D- depends what you consider the wagon. Hey, good point. Um, Speaking of the wagon, though, Troy, I feel like I'm uh, back on the wagon of anti-yas, meaning I'm, I'm having that like, you know, when you just have those self-loathing moments where you're like, I need to sell some stuff. Why would you Why would you feel like that, Uncle Leo? What's happened in life to make you feel like you need to sell some stuff, mate? Well, it normally happens after I buy stuff. Oh, you so, bought something, did you, mate? What did you yeah, buy? Uh, you know, mate, uh, are you aware of a guitar player called David Grissom? Oh, uh, yeah, I think I've heard Pretty of him before. Guitar. Yeah. Yeah. So, he has this He has this company called Paul Reed Smith. They make him a <laughs> guitar that's pretty nifty, and uh, I bought one of them. Nice. So, you know, you have that initial honeymoon of how good is new stuff, and then you realize you have too much stuff anyway, so... Yeah, the, the wheeling and dealing begins. Something's got to go. Yeah, I do that from time to time. I've been pretty good, I think, with my spending recently. But um, I think when I when my daughter was born in that um, that first month, so the problem, you know this, but I had about a month where I wasn't working, I took some time off, and um, I was up all night just giving her cuddles and trying to get her to sleep. So what I would do in that time would be uh, to jump on the internet and look at um, guitar amp switches. And, and how, like just ways of spending money that I don't have. And so, um, yeah, that was, that's the last time I went and did a, a big sort of thing like you, you know, cut, cut some stuff to make some room for more stuff, at least mental room and not, um, yeah, not, not feel bad about having some new cool stuff come in the door. Yeah. Um, the mental aspect of it, I think is a pretty big one, especially, you know, you've got a lot of guitars and a lot of gear, but the number of hangers that I have in this room, it's full. Yeah. So it's also that element of, well, I kind of kind of like that as a physical barrier on the number of things you should own. It's kind of like as something comes in, maybe maybe you should make some room. How many do you have at the moment? Last count. Have you have you checked? Ah, uh, guitar mate, guitar I, wise. Uh, let me just do a very quick. Uh, like, there's at least thirty, probably. But you've but got more than that, many, right? Many more. Yeah. Yeah. Many more in various states of disrepair. Yeah. I think most of the ones I look around, pretty much everything here, you can plug in and play it and maybe not gig it, but you could definitely record with them. Yeah. You know, uh, they're probably not all in a totally gigging state. Someone would need like a, you know, the crusty knob here and there or a, an output jack that's a little bit intermittent or new strings that's always yep. the big one so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of the same I, I reckon i've got about i've got 18 hangers in the uh sort of the lounge room out there with like lining the walls and then the guitars i play uh, you know more often for sessions or they just want to have close there's probably about six or seven of those and then i've got about uh, four or five guitars at home. So I, I think in total, I've got somewhere around 33 at this point. Yeah, but right. The, the amount of guitars 
that I have that are, as you say, in various states of disrepair, like pickups um, that need to be changed or that I've started changing and they're not done, uh, done anything about. There's probably about oh, maybe a half a dozen guitars like that, like ones that I wouldn't trust to be usable at all. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know. Guitar-shaped <clears throat> objects. Exactly. It's it's not the mate. It's the, the to get to pile when I've got some free time. And then I go through my process too, which is like, cool, I'm going to make a list of all the stuff I need to do. And, um, I, and I'll give you an example. I have a snakeskin BC Rich. Um, like it's one of the ply, plywood ones. Like it's not a good I one. I about that guitar. Yeah, I paid $50 for it. Um, and it's it's completely, it's it's a cool guitar. It looks really cool. Um, but I put some, I put a pink Path Pro in it in 2016 nice. and um that's uh, that needed to be have i need to just put the strings back on it basically and i haven't done it since then so that's been seven years so the pickups just hanging out of it so anyway i get to this point where i'll just do a to-do list of all the stuff to fix or amps or that need, needs to be done or cable wiring and then um i get really motivated and i get about maybe 20 percent through the list and move on to the next thing so i made a list in uh at the end of 2020 and i think i actually completed it after a year which wow, happy, that's happy about that. That's an achievement. Um, but yeah, before we get on to today's topic, Uncle Leon, um, I guess we'll um, we recorded a little episode with um, Uncle Jason Tong from Headfirst Amps last week. Um, I guess we'll put that out. Do you want to put that out this week as well? Yeah, yeah. The, oh, I think we could go. You know, we haven't really sort of spoken about we, it. Yeah, um, but we've got that in the can, um, in the can, ready to come. That, that, that one will either be out and this is old news or it will not be out and it's exciting news. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, we spoke to Jason for about like, what, two and a half hours probably? Yeah, could have done, done, done a, a long Oh, it was like, it's like we got to the two hour mark and we were just getting started, which I knew was going to happen because um, we we do that. I mean, Jason mentioned he's like, yeah, it took you guys like, I will listen, what do you say? He listened to an episode of ours and it took 30 minutes before we got onto the topic, kind of like today. Um, yeah, exactly. But that's what happens, mate. You got to talk about uh, guitars. You got to talk about uh, football. And you got to um, acknowledge the excellent supporters of the podcast. Exactly. Who tune in every week and subscribe and tell their mates. But yeah, my my point was like, I've after that conversation. I mean, I've pretty much spent every possible moment watching videos on Jason's channel about how to mod amps, and now I'm yeah. just. I think I'm gonna maybe risk my life and do it myself, like mod one of my amps. I'm not sure what what amp i'm not sure what mod but i just think i need to give it a shot so that's going to be exciting that's very exciting very um, very exciting but that's not our topic for today uncle leon that's not it at all do you know what else we is not our topic what is not our topic how uh bulldogs are gonna play rory lob on the wing this year it's an interesting one the richo model yeah so when richo had that like second yeah second wind in his career where they played him on the wing i love a big unit on the wing yeah well um that's not the topic so everyone just calm calm down, cool your jets. Calm down, go and listen to <clears throat> one of the other podcasts about AFL. That just I'm type sure in Kane Corns opinions, and I'm sure you'll find something. Leon, what do you want to talk about today, mate? Is Kane Corns the Glenn Fricker of football? <laughs> uh, how I don't actually know how people well, generally feel well, about yeah. Glenn Fricker. I know how I feel about some of his opinions, but I mean, yeah, I also have some opinions about some other very popular YouTube. Uh, celebrity uh, guitar uh, music celebrities, one grey head one that shall remain nameless. Ah, uh, yes. Because uh, I get in trouble whenever I bring up my opinions on him. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Not, not a, not a, not really. Uh, it's a bit taboo these days, isn't it? To, to not be into 
Lord Voldemort. <laughs> but anyway, we're 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 all about positivity, mate. We're all about positivity and talking about things we like. As my mum always said when I was a child, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Good advice. And then the internet was invented. Yep. And you're like, so, Marks, check this out. They, everyone's saying you're wrong. Yeah, everyone's mum. Look, I hate to break it to you, but you're wrong. People love to say not nice things. But anyway, uh, I think my mum's advice still still stands. So, uh, you know, we kind of, in the little preamble, we were talking about selling stuff. So maybe this should be the greatest hits of anti-gas. Gas being, of course, gear acquisition syndrome. Uh, when have you, what are some of your proudest and or most regrettable moments with like flipping stuff and selling it? Maybe things that you've looked at and gone, yeah, that was a good time to sell that. And other times we're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have sold that. I didn't know what I had. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look, there's considering the amount of stuff you and I both have, it's fair to say that we are, I wouldn't say hoarders, but pretty close to it. Adjacent to hoarding. Yeah. There's stuff that I feel is quite disposable in the realm of guitars. So pedals, I have no problem getting rid of a pedal because yeah. um, there's a million of them. They're all about the same. Guitars, I tend to keep which semi comes down to one comment that one friend of mine made in about 2005 in which he said, I'll never sell a guitar. And that was it. I was like, yeah, you know what? I also will never sell a guitar now. Um, but it's it's kind of, you never know, like you get so attached to an instrument because it's in your hands and you can like, yeah. like, I've got guitars I haven't played in years, but I've got so much sentiment, uh, sentimental uh, attachment to them. I, I just don't really want to uh, remove them from my life. Um, so, yeah, I sort of feel like that. There's a few exceptions to that. There's been stuff that I've bought. Um, for example, uh, I might have mentioned this on a different podcast, but I used to buy really cheap guitars so that I could do silly things to them. Like I've put rhinestones on guitars. I've decoupaged guitars. And that's just a fun hobby activity. So I have, like, for example, bought cheap squires to do that with. And then the guitar sits there for a year and I go, oh, I can't be bothered with this. I'm just going to flip it. So, but anything that's reasonable, I'll tend to keep it. Um, but amps are probably some in a bit of a gray area because there are amps that exist where it's like, if I sold my DSL, I reckon I could find another DSL that would sound exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but your Marshall... But Marshall, um, I don't think I can ever bring myself, my uh, uh, Super League 1977, I don't think I could bring myself to remove that. That's just, I'm not going to replace that exact amp, right? Um, but yeah, the first thing I guess I'll, I'll bring up in stuff that I've sold recently was, you know, when I was selling stuff so I could get my KHE, KHE amp switcher and a list of a couple of years ago, because I mostly like paid for that entire upgrade with stuff that I'd sold. So I, it was, I ended up in a pretty um, even position, but I sold a couple of guitar cabs, which at the time I wasn't obsessed with guitar cabinets and speakers. I was obsessed with um, amplifiers and um, yeah, rack preamps and stuff, but I sold two cabs. One of them was a Mesa traditional four by 12 with V thirties. I think it's from around 2008, 2009. Um, and I, partly I sold it because, I mean, I knew like Mesa cabs retain value, right? Yes, big time. So, I got that very, very cheap. I got that from a friend of ours, Umi, um, when he moved away. And I used it for a bit in the studio <clears throat> and it was cool, but it's really heavy. So, I never really wanted to take it out of the, out of the studio. And 
I also have another great vintage 30 cab that I like more. So I was kind of like, Ugh, I don't really need the two of these. And I, I thought this is kind of okay to, to, to move on. I think I got about 900, 950 for it, somewhere around there, Australian, obviously. Um, but I sort of, I, now that I've gone through, I'm going through my speaker phase, I really would like to have experimented a little bit more with how they sound and, and try them with different amps and different cabinets. And yeah, it's, I kind of wish I'd maybe held on to it for another six months. So that's, that's kind of the first one. Um, and the other one, the other cab that I sold, I'm a little bit more uh, disappointed with, but it was a cab that I, I didn't build it, but I sort of slapped it together. So it was a, a purple um, 4x12 Remember that thing? Like yeah. Empty cab. I paid 120 bucks for it secondhand, and the um, owner had retolexed it and also put like a basket weave grill on the front. It just looked really cool. Um, I ended up buying handles for it, which was such a pain in the ass and so expensive. I put casters on it, and like I made it like usable. Uh, and then I also put some. I had to buy some speakers, so I put a pair of greenbacks in it. Um, a G1275H. 30th anniversary. I think that's the thing, the name. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and a warehouse um, veteran at 30 as well. So it was a bit yeah, of a like, right. b- bit of a pig cabinet, but I was like, oh, this will be a cool um, studio cab. And I put that together in 2018 and I plugged it in one time and I don't think I ever bothered recording with it, which is a shame. And that's why I sold it, um, yep. obviously. But again, now I've gone through such a speaker thing. I really, really... Um, I only just bought the G1275H recently, like a, a new, a, another one of those to compare. Um, but I wish I'd given it more of a shot when I had the other cabinet. And um, and same as the Veteran 30, I would like to have shot that out against a Vintage 30 to see sort of where it um, where it compares. So recently, those are kind of the things. The purple cabinet actually came up for sale about six or s- months or so after I sold it. Yeah, right. And, um, and I messaged the guy. I, I saw it. I mean, it's a very... You, you can tell it's the same cab. Like, it's yeah, yeah. You you wouldn't mistake it. And um, I sent him a message within like three hours, four hours of him putting it up, and he listed it for more than I had it for sale. I think I sold it for maybe five hundred dollars. He had it up for like seven hundred. And I messaged him like, "Hey man, I'd love to buy my cab back." And he's like, "Sorry, it's already sold." I'm like, "Fuck!" So uh, not only did I not make it, but he also made two hundred bucks on it. I'm like, Ugh. so that's my start, mate. Those are some well, yeah. uh, some gear regrets. What about you? Yeah, I like the idea that it's consolidation. Mm. You know, that's definitely one reason, you know, if you're in a position where you don't really need this stuff, but maybe something else pops up that catches your eye, that's, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Because, you know, it's you sort of accumulate things yep. where it's like, oh, you know, yeah, that's a good price for that pedal or that's a good price for that ample cab. And uh, I, I know for me, one was when I bought my first Axe FX, I remember basically flipping as many pedals as I could. Like I had heaps of stuff and I was like, right, I'm going to see how much I can make out of these things. And I literally just kind of sitting around, you know, I'd acquired them over time. And again, stuff that had popped up for good prices and things like that. And I really had this mentality of you're getting something that you're going to, you know, use on tour. It's a, it's a functional piece of gear. It's going to mean that you don't need to take a whole bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, I just kind of went hog wild. It was like ruthless. Like just, if I can sell it, I will. So I remember listing a bunch of stuff. I had a bunch of the Eventide 
factor pedals, like the pitch factor and the mod oh, factor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were awesome. Liked, yeah, they were, they were awesome. And, you know, I, well, maybe that was when I bought an H9. I think I think what I did. This is a separate incident. So yeah, crossing streams here. But yeah, I remember sell it like I had three of those, and I think I sold them and bought an H9. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you registered the pedal, you got like H9 algorithm coupons. So I kind of, you know, I, I registered them and then sold them, and then that way got you know more perceived value out of the H9. And it was basically like you know I had one delay, and like two effects that I used in the mod factor and maybe a pitch detune thing. So I knew what I wanted out of the pedal and it just, it was a bit of a no brainer. And I actually remember being in the gym and uh, for whatever reason, there were these little bricks in the stretching area where I don't know what the labeling was, but I always remember it was like, you know, H2, H3. And one of them was H9. And I just remember <laughs> like staring at this thing going, Oh yeah, H9. That's a pretty cool pedal. And being like, Oh, I could just flip a bunch of stuff and buy one. So yeah, that's a that's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, and then doing a similar thing with my Axe Effects, where I just had a bunch of like, you know, overdrive pedals and just bits and pieces. Uh, I think I ended up selling off the remnants of my old board that I was using. That was like you know a switcher and mm. stuff that I got in trades and things like that. The whole trades thing is a different. I'm not a big. I haven't done a lot of trades for gear, but you know, I feel like I've had some. Had some cool ones. Uh, so, yeah, and like old pickups and just whatever you can flip on ma Marketplace, you know, to, yep. to sort of tell yourself that it's like, oh, I'm only, I'm only paying. I'm only paying $200 instead of uh, $450. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. that's, a, that's a win. Yeah, um, exactly. So you kind of get that, uh, you know, it feels like gear recycling. <laughs> yeah. The trade thing's interesting. I, I'm sort of in the same boat. I don't, I don't really have that. Um, hard to play too often because I feel like the things that I have of value are the things that I just want to keep. There's, yeah, a, there's a few people locally that are so ruthless with the things they sell and get so obsessed for like, you know, th five uh, minutes, yeah, three minutes, five minutes on something. And then it's, it's gone the next week, which I can appreciate because clearly it doesn't mean anything to them to keep it. They don't have the same emotional attachment. Um, that's probably healthier. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the like recently trading stuff, I remember, the uh, the 2x12 cabinet that I got rid of, the purple 2x12, I got a rat for that. So that was cool. Because yeah. um, I got the cabinet essentially for free as just a, um, you know, a, a, a bonus with, with the other cabinet I bought. So that was kind of cool. Felt bad about selling it. Um, but yeah, there's I can't think of too many other things I've traded. I, I do often put it up. If there's a not a specific thing I'm trying to purchase, I'm and I've got something up that's maybe over the value of five hundred dollars, I'll sort of say, "Oh, look, you know, if you got something, we can talk." Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's got to be a very specific thing. A lot of the time, I feel like I'm just wasting people's time because it's like, yeah, come at me with like a boogie two C plus with a graphic EQ, or you know, it's in that I don't really want to trade for something. Um, I'd much rather just, and I, I get that, like you know, I'm selling some pedals at the moment and you know i get all every second message is oh you're open to trades and it's like not really <laughs> not unless i can unless it sits there for like six months and someone's like hey i've got some weird thing do you want to try it so but you know if it's like oh yeah i've got a tube screamer clone do you want to trade it for a blues driver clone it's like well i know i'm going to plug it in once and yeah use it and that's kind of going to be it so yeah i mean i feel like with the with the H9 and the Axe Effects, like they they got used a lot, and mm. uh, that was a like a nice consolidation. Um, 
I've done a few few trades as well. Uh, I've sold some stuff, like a few guitars, I think like massively undervalue to some mates, um, which is I, I feel less bad about where it's like, hey, here's something that maybe needs work or, you know, um, something that they could use where it's like just, you know, just just tell me what it's worth to you and I'm I'm okay with it. So yeah. that's a, that, that's kind of a different thing. It's you gotta you gotta be ruthless on these <laughs> things. So um yeah, the other thing as well is you know there's that element of like, oh I paid X amount for something and that was a pretty good deal. And then I can sell it and make two hundred bucks and then I can justify some other stupid purchase. Mm. The old flippy do. Yeah, flipping, which I mean, you know, there's some there's some people in Perth who are notorious flippers yeah you know it's like you, you you know if you're dealing with them you're getting kind of kind of ripped off there's a couple of people that i don't there's one in particular that i just ignore whenever they post some stuff because i know what they i know how much they've sort of shafted other people out of pretty good money yeah. which i you know maybe shafting is the wrong word it is it, it's people pay the value of what it's worth i suppose but um I don't know. I don't really like the flipping side of, of gear exchange. I, I sort of, I think like making your money back on something is fair. Um, yeah. Making a tiny bit, maybe um, if the, if that's what the market dictates, but like, I've seen it happen so much. Like, I mean, outside of this one person, I can think recently there was a, like, I think it was an early or mid seventies Marshall artiste on, oh, yeah. on uh, Gumtree. And it was up for like, 250 like nothing and i was like i don't really know anything about those amps i googled it was like well this is not loved but you know it's a marshall it's valve marshall like go on i sent the person a message and you know by the time i saw the ad which is only after a couple of hours it had gone like maybe three weeks later you check gumtree it's listed for like two grand it's like yeah that's it's so cheeky. It's like it's there's no intention to play it. There's no intention to have to like. It's just uh, just a money grab. But it's a it's a first come. Just get in there and um, yeah. I I just don't it's really good, appreciate that. Too much. Of an eye roller. I'm, I'm like, hey, fair enough. That's you know that's that's how it works. But also, you know, there's also the you know, I've bought a four hundred dollar guitar and I've put three hundred dollars worth of parts in it and I'm selling it for seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah thing which you see so much and i don't know who buys those things i don't know how that's attractive to anybody but it's like someone's mangled a new guitar mm-hmm. and they're just it's it's yeah I, I it's a foreign mentality to me where it's like yeah there is the argument to be made that like yeah maybe you've made something better but or like you know i've seen stuff where it's like <laughs> a newish PRS or Gibson and it's, oh, I've put these pickups in there and, you know, you kind of add up, okay, you bought the guitar new and you've bought the parts new, then why are you selling it at like a 10% premium on top of that? Yeah. Um, there's also the, <laughs> you know, the the JHS effect thing <laughs> where it's like, you know, some piece of gear becomes really popular for some reason and like you have it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I should sell it, um, which... I don't think I've ever done. I don't think I've really ever had anything that's sort of in that. Oh, cool! Like now, this I've I finally, finally I can sell my Digitech Distortion Factory for an extra fifty dollars. Yeah. Oh, I I didn't even really think about it with my Bad Monkey. I thought like 
that it's such as flash in the pan. You know they're going to be back to a normal price. I haven't checked yeah, recently. Okay. I wonder if they um they have gone back to fifty dollars or whatever. But it's still sort of valuable, or not valuable, useful. That's uh, not not valuable, and I'll just keep it. So yeah, yeah. Someone will use it. Some there'll be a time, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, in terms of like other sort of regrets and stuff. Maybe not regrets, but I. It's funny you bring up the Axe FX and some of the things you sold because I mean that same Axe FX as we have discussed before was my Axe FX. Yeah, and I got that back in two thousand and eleven. But I remember when I like committed to buy it um, and I was looking through all the pedals and the models that are in it. And um, one you of the- You do that, add up the list price of all these things? Well, I was like, it, there's a uh, exotic BB pre in there and yep. I have one and I don't really care for mine so much. So I'm just going to flip it for $150 and then that's going to offset the cost of it. But there wasn't too many things in the Axe FX at that point that I had that I thought I could justify by selling. Um, yeah, right. But there was a period, because I, I reckon I only had it for a year and a half, and I did use it. I, I had some, um, uh, like, toured with it a little bit. It was a valuable piece of gear to me, and yeah. it was probably more valuable to sell it and pay for that trip to America rather than to keep it. But there was a few moments afterwards where I was like, oh, really wish I'd just still had it. It would be so useful yeah, to yeah. do this situation, that situation. Um and it's all sort of worked out well, you know, it's who knows what we are years later. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's like that unit, when I did sell it, and this was, there was no Axe Effect, sorry, no, there was an Axe Effect 2 at that point. The Axe Effect 2 had come but out. But there was, yeah, there was no AX8 because um, I know that came out a little bit later. But um, in the in my brain, I was always like, well, there's there there isn't an infinite number of these, but there's enough of them where I could buy it back probably for the same cost weirdly enough like i've still seen those things like the ultras go for like a thousand dollars yeah um, they've weirdly held their value hey yeah i mean it was i think it was about 1600 is what it cost to get that unit here in 2011 that's that's what i paid for in 2016 so there you go that's what yeah. i would have sold it to ryan for as well yeah. so it's just so funny that it's it's gone like that with that unit and then it's it's still obviously really cool and um and really useful so yeah i did have an axe effects 2 here for a little bit but i, I really just never played it i, I didn't have a, a use for it and didn't have a need for it um but i did have a, a few moments of thinking it would be really useful to have it in the rack um just to run it as effects for yeah yeah uh, like it, either pre or post sort of thing um, it's interesting as well because the ultra you the looper is in the delay block and you can have mm. two delays so you can run two loopers in it which none of the subsequent oh wow yeah yeah it's there's a there's a few like things that you can't do and you know there's the i know the ultra has a jcm 900 model and a cornford richie cotson model and is that right yeah there's a few few models that kind of never got redone which is interesting is there no uh, 900 in the axe effects nope really wow yeah. That's so surprising. There's no DSL either, which has been hotly requested. Yeah, by you? <laughs> yeah, it's like me and Justin York just constantly pestering Cliff, like, hey, and I know Justin's got a couple. Um, speaking of which, it would be very cool to have Justin on the gear podcast at some point. I should absolutely should send the feelers out, um, talk about all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I know Justin's got an SLX 900 as oh, yeah. well, which he really, really rates. So, do yeah, you, have an S you don't have an SLX, do you? No, I've got a Mark III. That's right. Yeah, I always forget that. 
Yeah, the SLX, uh, I think they're similar-ish, but, you know, people kind of tend to like them a little bit more. I think the, I forget, there's also the, like, Slash signature that came out around a similar time. Uh, I know Kush had or still has one of the uh, Slash ones, and that sounds great, like the early, like, that, whatever. I didn't realize that's how it was branded. That's funny. Like, isn't it? So there was a 900 Slash, is what you're saying. There's, there was an early slash signature model. Like there's the AFD, yep. which was a more recent thing. But yeah, there's there's a slash Marshall. Can't remember if it's a JCM 900 or not. But, I was reading about the uh, AFD last right night. Out. Like, so the AFD, that's a um, Sir 39. Is that right? Or the, the Sir 36? Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a Santiago um, Alvarez era Marshall as well. Um, right. So JVM, YJM 100 and yep. AFD, he was like, basically responsible for the AFD. So right, speaking okay. of which, Santiago, if you happen to be listening to this, we would love to have you on. Somebody yep. else I should message as well. I'm just going to be just firing off emails left, yeah. right, and over the next We should couple. interview John Sykes. Let's just get him on. Uh, let's get it. Uh, let's get Mark McGowan on. We can interview him. You know, did well, a gig your with mate. him. My mate. Just get everyone on, mate. <clears throat> um, on who likes ACDC more than you. <laughs> I loved um, that... High, the high voltage thing like Mark McGowan was wearing a uh, back in black um, t-shirt and it was basically a big Bon Scott love fest and one of the comments was like yeah Bon didn't even sing on back in black <laughs> nah oi that's a there's an ACDC conspiracy theory iceberg isn't there like nah secretly Bon wrote it and yeah it's is that an mate. actual conspiracy that's really funny yeah yeah there's the Bon Scott wrote back in black section of the internet wow we do not need to go down there um, uh, speaking of marshalls though because when i another gear cull i had was when i bought my cherry tone um oh, i had yeah. to get to the atomica spec which is pretty cool i sold a lot of amps around that time so i had a vintage modern mm-hmm. which is a really really cool amp and i think i paid 300 dollars for, for it or something friend of the podcast ben wilson facilitated that uh, that purchase. So I forget what I sold it for, but more than $300. Yeah. More than $300. I made some money on it. Uh, and then I had an orange dark terror that I sold. Oh yeah, that's right. You gig with that that. a few times too. Yeah, that was cool. It had had an effects loop, which I liked. Um, that was a pretty, pretty cool sounding app. Um, what else did I have? I had a Laney VH 100. Oh yeah. You had the 50. Hey. Yep. Oh, the GH 50. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, Chris has that. He might be listening. So that was a, that was a really cool amp. Yeah, um, yeah, they're great. They're just like a an eight hundred with a choke. Yeah, one no, of the no, no, f- choke a toroidal transformer. Which yeah, is cool. <clears throat> it's one of the few. Ah, uh, uh, look, it's one of the few amps I've sold. I don't know if I regret it because I think I would be able to get it back again. But you know, I paid such little money for it. I sold it for yeah. what it was worth. It was like no harm, no foul sort of thing. Um, uh, I had a little one by twelve Ampeg cabinet that I bought when oh, yeah, Billy My Music closed. Yep. And I had a Jet City 50 that I also bought oh. when Billy Hyde was. I think I paid $150 for. I'm actually, I was thinking about that Jet City last night. I'm still disappointed I didn't buy that off you. I should have should have just done, done it because I have a JCA 20, so the 21. Yep. Um, and it's awesome. It's won yeah, so many. Yeah, man, it's won so many shootouts. Like if I've um, if I've struggled to get a guitar sound with someone, it's weird. I, I have a theory about. Perth guitar players and where they trained. <laughs> Let's just yeah, say that. Yeah. That there is a little bit of a thing of, um, you know, what the amount, like Leon, you and I, the amount of distortion that we like is like 
80% more distortion than what's allowed out of this specific place. And oh, subsequently- specific institution, this yeah. educational academy. And so as a result, um, the guitar players, when they've come into the studio and I've tried to dial in tones, are like, oh, I just got too much gain on it. And so I'll turn like my, my Marshall down or these things and it just doesn't quite have the right vibe. And I put this Jet City up and it's perfect. So it's just, it's a really cool amp and I really like it. Um, but the 50 watt, I had watched one of Jason's mod videos about doing the 50. And yeah. um, it's just like we did quite a lot of recording with it. Um, you got it for so cheap. It would have just been such a cool amp to have still around. But Yeah. I, it's I a was, bit of a regret actually because I feel like now knowing what I know about amps and knowing someone like Jason, it'd be so cool to just send it over to him and say, mate, go to town. It was noisy. Yep. Like considerably more noisy than my Soldano just when it was like idling, like it was really hissy. So I'm sure there's a few mods, like very basic, like, you know, probably swap a bunch of caps out and bring that sort of thing down. But um, yeah, really, really cool amp. And yeah, there's a few things that I bought from that Billy Hyde sale, actually, which I still use. Like I got, I got a really, really long speaker cable. That's oh, like yeah? a 30 cool. meter speaker cable or something that's been super duper handy. Just to, you know, you have the, head in the control room and you put the cab under the stairs or in the next room and mic it up. So yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah. Probably out of all of those, the, the JCA, the vintage modern was cool, but it was, I've got other things that kind of cover those flavors. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then, you know, the cherry zones. Awesome. Um, it and was, you, you sold the son of Yeti for that as well. Is that right? I did. Yeah. I, I sold the, again, I, I just sold that for what I paid for it. Um, we picked up a lot of stuff from our mate Seb when he moved to Ukraine of all places. So yeah, here's a list. Um, a mess of boogie, dual rectifier. Um, Refinished in hot pink. Yeah. Three channel. Um, we got that. that. We got a cherry tone uh, DC 30 clone. We got the cherry tone DC, uh, sorry, cherry tone son of Yeti. And those amps in total, I, actually, I was t telling Jason about this the other day. And I think it, the number's wrong, but it, it was at $1,500 Australian total. Something ridiculous. It was either 15 or it might have even been 1200 But I remember um, my two amps were $1,000. So $500 yeah. for the Recto, $500 for the Cherry Tone, which, I mean, that's, in terms of Australian retail price, that's probably closer to $7,000, $6,000 maybe. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah we, got, we got super lucky with that. And, um, and I mean, those, you also spent like, you know, a lot more money on stuff that's now in your studio yeah we i mean i picked up my focal um twins from from seb we got an uh, <laughs> a 60 channel audience audient uh mixing console uh by we i mean this, the vic uh, down in the studio downstairs yeah. uh computer we've got um like seb kind of goes down in in gear history is like you know, most legendary dude ever. Yeah, he really hooked us up. We, we got super lucky. I mean, there was- As much uh, as he would hate the accolades, you know? Yeah. I mean, really like, nice. yeah, so, sorry, just to, to reiterate the story a little bit. Um, so this was about five years ago and um, he just, he had some studio gear for sale and um, I went and bought it. Uh, we sort of got talking, um, ended up going to his warehouse where he had all his stuff stored. And I, I asked Leon to come as well because I couldn't fit. I, I, I was picking up some racks some 16 unit racks and I couldn't fit them both in my car. So Leon came and yeah, we just ended up, um, he said, Oh, look, you know, come, I've, I've only got five minutes and I got to leave. I'm like, okay, no sweat. We, we went in there, 
walked in and it's a warehouse filled with the coolest gear you've ever seen and all of it had to be sold. Um, and we're talking yeah, no. guitars, amps, studio gear, studio monitors, snare drums, pinball machines, the whole... You know, we're talking about, oh, yeah, I regret selling an amp because I sold five things to buy some other things. Like, this is someone who just bought gear to use it themselves. They'd never sold anything. And then they were in a position where they had to sell yep. everything. It was... That was... That was confronting. Yeah. But he was awesome. Like, you know, said we, he, he told me up front, I've got five minutes and I've got to go. And then after about 15 minutes, I remember saying to him like, oh, hey, man, I, I know you got to go. Should we get out of here? He's like, no, no, no. It's cool. I just didn't really want to hang out with you guys, but you're cool. Like, yeah, you stay for I, I say that because I don't want to deal with tire kickers. And then it was like, come in. And I was not prepared for- <clears throat> Yeah. We were there what? for about two hours that night. And we, I think we walked away with those amps on that night. Yeah. And then spent the next six months pretty much going and visit, visiting him quite a lot. And we put some people on to him to try and uh, buy some stuff yeah. too. So he was awesome. But I think like just to, to finish that little story, um, my favorite of those uh, trips out there is he just messaged me. He said, hey, man, I'm going through my mezzanine at the, at the warehouse and I've got to throw a bunch of stuff in the garbage. If you want any of it, come now or come this afternoon and take what you want. I'm like, cool, no worries. So, you know, Leon and I both went down. And yeah, literally getting up on a ladder and there's a whole, effectively a room's worth of stuff. And there was like smoke machine, there was projector, there was um, green screens and all that stuff there. There was a bunch of old Behringer rack units, like the um, the That's reverb right. units, delays or reverb, like just, just stuff, you know, um, mic preamps, uh, like Behringer mic preamps. And, um, and then he's like, we'd like, we loaded it all down and he's like, oh yeah. He was like, porn? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I just found two boxes of VHS porn. I'm like, what? And uh, it brings it down. Sure enough, there was literally like, uh, like what, 100 tapes? <laughs> like and this is, this is the real thing. He's paid retail price for these, you know. No, you know what? He didn't pay retail price for it. He, told right. it. he paid like $10 per tape. He was like, yeah, uh, I used to be able to get him they like- still, They still had the stickers on them. Yeah, though. I think a, a lot of that was- um, I don't know how he got it, but I, he, he said it was like, yeah, you should be able to get them for like $10 each or something. So, yeah, it's a normal guy. Yeah, so that was really funny. So, Seb, if you are listening, sorry for throwing you under the bus with that one, but um, still got the boxes. They've never been used, never been uh, watched. <laughs> the but they're in, a, they're in an airtight, uh, you know, laser protected. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I watched uh, a... Um, it is a bit of a, uh, you know, that was... That was like, oh, I remember when I was too young to know what this stuff was, but like some of my friends had older brothers where, you know, they'd give you a sneak peek or something and just be like, oh, that, oh, that looks, hang on, what's this? <laughs> so, yeah, seeing the, just this entire box of, you know, um, all and all 90s stuff as well. So, yeah. in, that, in that transitional era from, I guess, the <laughs> that classic era to like the super hardcore era. And and I'll just say when I say a box, I'm talking about like the packing case of a microwave. Um, so w including you know the foam, like what all the foam like would do to make a microwave fit in, a big microwave fit in a cardboard box. This is packed in. This yeah. is packed in wall to wall. It's very funny. And again, I've I haven't watched them. I've just like I've kept them because I think it's so funny to have two enormous boxes worth of VHS porn. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say I watched a video with Joe Barisi um a little while ago. And I think it was when he had maybe Parkway Drive-in or something recording. Yeah, no. Yeah, and no. 
connoisseur. Well, yeah, they just had apparently a, a TV running like 24 hours a day with porn on it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny. So uh, maybe I'll get that hooked up at one, hooked up one day for the right project. Just bam, throw it on there. That'd be kind of funny. Um, so yeah, let's start. We'll stop talking about adult themes. Um, in terms Thank of you. being children, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was gonna say the um, your your Jet City. Um, I, I really I, I regret not buying that off you. I mean, there's there's stuff that you've sold and that I've sold, we've ended up just picking it up off each other because yeah, yeah. You know, we just want to keep it. Um, stuff that I, I probably, I don't really regret buying it, but like I took, I got your Strymon Big Sky when you decided to sell that a couple of years ago. Yep. And I bought it with the intention that like I was going to run, I, I, I had it set up, I had everything wired in for, like this. But You're going to do the Tim Pierce thing where he's got all the... Oh, not quite. A little different to that. So mm-hmm. I have... Um, for a quick description, because probably most people haven't seen my studio, but I have um, currently two 16RU uh, rack cases to my uh, my right hand. And um, they're filled with, like one of them's filled with all the compressors, one of them's filled with all the audio interfaces and um, patch bays and stuff. And I used to have a third one, which actually is also Leon's. Right. Um, yeah. And I w- need to get that. It just doesn't fit in my car. <laughs> I know it's just um, just taking up space, but so does everything in the studio. But anyway, I filled that rat case with a bunch of effects units because in my brain I was thinking like, you know what? I have a lot of effects units that um, some old like ones I might have bought for guitar rigs, like a quadroverb. And yep, I mean you're never probably going to pick a quadroverb over a, another unit, but if I've got it, why don't we hook it up and maybe this will be a thing to try? If so I had that in there. I had um, your Rev 7 as well, your Yamaha Rev 7. Yep. Um, I had SPX 90. I had uh, Effectron, Delta Lab Effectron, which, which by the way, it's a single. Right, I, that I saw one listed the, uh, a couple of days ago for $600. I'm like, that's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're desirable now. I tell you what, I'll sell mine for $600. Jesus Christ. I paid 50 yeah, bucks for it. But <laughs> anyway, um, that entire rack I'd intended to be effects. And that's what I, I bought the Big Sky for because I thought there is a thing about those reverbs that yeah. would be really cool to have in a mix because they, they but sound then really- what happened, Troy? well then they released the plugin and I thought well I haven't used this unit in the way I thought it was <laughs> I was going to use it so if I, I guess if I want to do that I'll just buy the plugin and use it instead so I sold the sold the pedal um, which again I don't really regret doing that um, I think the money was better used on you know some other piece of gear that I'd I didn't need. I reckon it's probably in 12 months ago or so that I sold it. I bought that and I bought your Strymon Dig at the same time. And the Dig, yep. I think I will keep because I do like that. Um, I think it's a pretty pretty rock and delay, which you've got that at the moment yeah. as well. It's it's here at the moment. Yeah. So, um, I did a video with it. I should uh, probably, the next time I see you, I'll bring it back. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other, other gear flipping situations that I've had. Um, I've definitely been on the end of some very, very good deals. Um I think most of the deals that you and I have are pretty good. Hopefully, this podcast doesn't ruin that possibility. <laughs> I don't you never sell gear to these guys because they're just ripping you off. But yeah, no. there's been a few a few things as well where, you know, for for me, it's mostly it's either consolidation where I can see I've got a bunch of stuff and I go, hey, I can do this in a much easier fashion, or it's the uh, the afterglow of, you know, you you buy a new thing where it's like, oh, you know, I buy a new guitar or I buy a particular piece of gear and then and then kind of realize, well, 
I've got things that I'm just hanging on to for the sake of hanging on to where I'm realistically never going to use them. Um, so either organize them and use them or don't. And sometimes it's as easy as buying a new set of strings, you know, <laughs> and you know, like that's one of the yeah. best mods you can make to your guitar is just change the strings and then play it. And you're like, oh, actually, no, this is pretty cool. Yep. But I have done that with guitars and then sort of gone, why have I been hanging on to this? Because now that I actually have bothered to change the strings, it's it's even it's doing even less for me. So yep. um, yeah, that's a I can always kind of find mostly it's a I won't say a necessity for me, but it's a it's a be responsible yep. kind of thing. It's a look yourself in the mirror and be like, mate, what are you doing with your life? Just reset it, and then it will just slowly. The problem will get worse and worse and worse again <laughs> until you, until you have to clear out. So yeah, and sometimes it's you know I've I've sold bits of gear because I want to upgrade my computer. Um, so yeah, a bunch of pedals, bunch of pedals that I'm never going to use. Why not just have a faster computer for video editing and recording? Yep, absolutely. Amen. Um, and um, I've got. I, some... I know as well. Sorry, you go. Sorry, the last one was I had a I. When I first got my Axe FX, I also got a Matrix Power Amp, and I was like, oh, it'd be cool to still run a cab. So remember that Boogie 2x12 that I had? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, it was uh, it was okay. Like, I, I, I loved that I had a Boogie 2x12, but it was, like, super, super beamy. And yeah. I think I swapped the speakers at some point. I did a bunch of stuff to it, and I ended up uh, a buddy of mine um, just sort of hit me up and he's like, oh, hey, I know you've got a Mesa 2 by 12 I'm thinking of buying one. And I was like, you want to buy this one? <laughs> and that was, that was kind of a, that was kind of a good feeling to just sort of be like, yeah, I've never really, never really loved this cab. It's been okay. And it's been handy, but getting rid of it was, uh, it was a bit of a rite of passage. Like when yeah. I own a Mesa cab, I had it, it was okay. It probably wasn't right for me. Um, it's and quite then, small, like quite a small cabinet, right? It was the compact one, yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe if, if I ever did it again, like a full size. Um, I think if I ever do it again, I'll just get like a proper oversized traditional yeah. straight cab. I've um, I'm always keeping an eye out for those cabs. Like I think that's um, there's been a few that have come up. There's still a little more more than I want to spend. One came up about three months ago for five hundred bucks, and I'm Whoa. kicking myself for not getting it. But I just missed it. It was yeah. missed it by probably about twenty minutes. Um, but yeah, I was um. Like that Mesa cab, I, I can remember when you guys did the um, Back to Zero launch in 2016. Yep. I remember being a little bit disappointed that that's the cab you use for that. Or yeah. I, th I think that was the cab you, you, you used for that. But yeah, it was like, yeah. I was still like, you know, the axe was still going to front of house. Yeah. But it's like, ah, yeah. oh, it just would have been cool to have a proper 4x12, but that's just an cool aesthetic thing. Um, but yeah, it was, we recorded with it. We tried to record with it a few times and I think you shot some IRs with it as well. I, I still have the IRs. There's one IR which was pretty cool. I think it was like a, I think I borrowed a Royer off you, and it's an oh, SM7 yeah. and a Royer, but two different speakers. And yeah, anyone who's aware of the like, you know, John Petrucci, how he would mic up a 212. I tried to do that, and it's pretty cool. I think I've probably still got it somewhere. I think I shared it on Exchange, so people can look that one up. I probably called it like JP Mix or something like that. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it was just. I was never sold. Know. I was never one hundred percent sold on it. I think yeah. like I was actually looking at two by twelves today, because um, I w I want to the um, the school I teach at. Like I would like to really get some 
uh, new amps for for that place because currently yeah, right. there's a JCM 900 high gain dual reverb 50 watt and a Laney GH50, um, and then the cabinets are a um, oh, there's a couple other like combos and stuff around, but like, there's a you know a Hot Rod Deluxe and uh, AC15 I think, and they're okay, but you know I'm a head uh, head yeah. and cabinet guy. Yeah, the cabinets. There's like a um, a JCM 900 cab, so with T75s in it, and that's okay. And then the Laney cab, I think, has the 7080s, but it sounds yeah. pretty like average. But so I I sent I got a bit of a wish list of amps because I have been thinking for a few years if I could get anything for that place, what would actually be valuable and useful. Yeah, yeah. And um, because I've been doing so much um, looking, uh, so much watching of Jason's channel. I've been sort of like, oh, but like the Studio Classic and the Studio Vintage are probably the yeah. perfect amp for that situation because one thing about trying to teach is like, you imagine if you if you set up this is the way extreme, but a like a Mark V or a Mark VII, and you show that to some students that maybe are used to dialing in like a Boss Katana or used to dialing in like a Fender Deluxe or something. It's just, it's such- or Probably just, they've never dialed anything in their life. They've just turned it up. Yeah. You can't, you, you have to really have a bit of like, have the time and the want to like get a sound out of it uh, and the need to get a sound out of it. It's just too confusing. Whereas like you take the the Studio Classic, I think that's like the JCM 800 thing. It's so yep. easy. It's like six knobs or something. You plug into it, you turn it up and it is what it is. And because it's 20 watts, it's not going to be- as blisteringly loud as a 100-watt JCM 800. And they're so well-priced as well. Yeah. So, I sort of, um, in terms of like what I think would be useful, like one of those ones, a 50-watt, um, a 5153, I think is yep. for like modern high gain. Okay. That's, those two things would cover a lot of bases and, you know, you've already got your fenders and your boxes there. But I was like, well, need another cab, like realistically, need some vintage yeah. 30s. And I started looking around. But like a four by twelve V thirty cab is still like a little bit spendy, um, like to get something new. Obviously, second hands like a little bit different. But I was thinking, oh, maybe a two by twelve. But I don't know if I would be completely satisfied only having a two by twelve as like the main recording cab. Maybe it's fine. Like it's not. There's nothing wrong with it. But I I just have almost always preferred something about a four by twelve. Like I don't know if it's just the dimensions of the cabinet. Um, if that is really just giving that extra like little five ten percent of what I like in a guitar sound, I think you'd be doing a disservice to run those amps through something quite like a little bit smaller. So uh, of course, then I realized why don't I just get like a V thirty speaker and a greenback speaker and chuck it in one of those caps. That's probably the way yeah. of doing it. But buy a, buy a cheap nineteen sixty A or something that's been beaten up and just speaker swap. Yep, because I mean like a, a V thirty is only like two hundred dollars Australian, like one speaker. Yep. And that's really all you need. Um, it's like, hey, kids, here's the good speaker. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm not in my, um, I'm not loving vintage 30s as a general thing, but I think it's for the certain sound that they have and their certain use case, it, it's a bit of a like, that's that should be baseline. It's always like 70% at least 70% the right choice, unless it's a spawn nitro that you're If running. you're doing live sound, then get used to miking these. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a reality of the situation, isn't it? So, yep. yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I don't really know if there's any other gear rag rets that I have. Um, it, one one was I sold my hotcake pedal and then I recently <laughs> rebought a hotcake because it's maybe one of the few pieces of gear where I was like, actually, that thing's cool and unique and I really, I really just like it. Uh, whereas there's a bunch of other stuff, which I 
I sometimes I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to, you know, it'd be cool to own that again. And then you're like, but why? You know, yeah. you sold it for a reason, you moron. Yeah, I think there's a there's a comfort with it sometimes. Well, I'll tell you one that I, I have, I did for many years regret. Uh, and that was selling my Carbon Quad X. <laughs> and then thankfully uh, you solved that problem by getting one. And then I heard it again and went, this is not the one. So the Quad X is like the mascot of this channel, isn't it? Yeah. There's probably no other podcast or two people in the world talking about the Carbon Quad X as much as we do. Right now. <laughs> um, I've got... Um, I've got to go get my Marshall uh, 9000 power amp soon from Yeah. Lenny. So I'm not, I'm, a, I'm like really on the fence about that. Uh, this is on the, in, in the same category of what we're talking about because it's, I mean, for those of you that know, it's basically like a stereo JCM 800 power amp sort of. Yeah. Um, and it weighs just as much as that sounds. Yeah. It's like a, a four rack unit power amp. It sounds really cool. Mine's in like reasonable condition, um, but I just don't really use it very much. And I was sort of like, I wanted to keep it because it's a cool power amp. Like it's a cool piece of gear. I got it for a pretty reasonable price, but I think if I really want a power amp for my studio to, to use with say like the Synergy stuff or to yeah. use with um, ADA MP1, there's probably other units or especially to use it with a modeler. Yeah, um, yeah. There's probably other units out there, like the, the at the very least, like a Fright power station, because you can also use it for so many other situations. It's a so, utility device. Yeah. So in terms of that, like one in, one out, or the um, like, I wouldn't be able to sell it and and go out and buy a power station. It's just not going to bring in enough money yeah. to do that. But it would be. It's there's a certain attachment. I remember when I bought it, man. It's really funny. It was 2017. Yeah. And no, 16. 2016. And I bought it uh, on my nine-year anniversary, <laughs> like with with Amy, and like uh, just f that's the whatever we celebrate, like because we're not married, but we've been together since like, and that's actually oh shit, that's in two days' time as well. How's that? There you go, mate. So it's almost a seven-year anniversary of me buying that power amp. Um, but yeah, I remember saying to her like we were going out for dinner that night. I was like, oh, I just need to quickly go up to Greenwood and buy something. And so I managed to like duck out, pick that up and come back and then like have enough time to get out to, um, to go out to have a succulent Chinese meal. Yeah. It was actually Japanese. It was awesome. Oh, awesome. So, I, so I'm on the, I, I don't know how we can best finish this podcast than that, but on your anniversary, you went and, you went and bought some Casey Marshall power amp. Mate, you got to have it. So, uh, you know, well, to finish it, I guess I, I might grab it back, have a little bit of a play on it and see what it sounds like, see how it does translate with some um, Synergy modules against, say, the um, yeah, yeah. the Synhead and we'll take it from there. It's just so big, man. Like, it's it's unfortunate it takes up that much space. It's a boat anchor times 10. Yeah, but it's cool. Like, some of this stuff is just cool. And I'll never forget, man, I, you know, your dad said it a couple of years ago. It's just like, if you... If you're sitting amongst it and you look at it and it brings you joy, then that's kind of like not nothing. So, precisely. Again, some people call it materialism. <laughs> some people call it happiness. Yep. So, take your pick. I don't think it really, mate, we're all going to be dust again one day. <laughs> Might as well enjoy the ride while did we you, go. Uh, did you listen to, you don't listen to Backchat all the time, hey? No. Yeah. Oh, Hamish Brayshaw mentioned that about his, his dead dog. Like, yeah, he's a dash now. <laughs> It's just Ash now, yeah. <laughs> well, mate, you know, well, maybe on that note, Troy, like what's your preferred uh, post 
uh, post-life method? Are you, are, you, are you a cremator? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Just, yep. No no doubt about it. Just get- I mean, I, I figure with me, it's like, you know, having having an autoimmune disease, no one wants your organs. So just, <laughs> you know, put my brain in a vat of liquid and laugh at it for a while. And other than that, just uh, <laughs> yeah, you dust. You'll be like, uh, you know, one of the heads in Futurama. That is such a good show, man. Like, I so did not get it as a child, but having rewatched it as an adult, it's uh, quite a beautiful thing. Yep. Yeah, it's worth. It's always worth a rewatch. I think it's on Disney now. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there's a writers' strike at the moment, so I'm sure they'll they'll need all the yeah all the uh, heritage content or yep. IP recycling that they can get. Anyway, mate, I'm going to split. Great podcast. Hey, Thank mate, you you're a, you're a bloody ripper legend. You know that. Look, Troy, just uh, let it be known, mate. It's not just me who appreciates you. It's everybody else listening as well. Well, thank you so much for everyone that's checked us out. Um, as always, uh, follow us on the podcast app. Give us a follow on the Instagram. Give us a like. Leave a comment on the YouTube. I haven't checked anything from the last week's episode, so hopefully there are no swear words, naughty words in there. Oh, there's always a couple of naughty little ones, mate. A few adult themes from time to time, but that's why people tune in. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll see you probably next week. Well, we've got to upload the, um, the, the Jace episode too, so that'll be cool. That'll be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. All right, mate. See you next time. Peace.